Hey, I'm Michael Wood, lead pastor at First West. Thank you so much for joining us today. Here in just a second, we're gonna dive into God's word and to see what it says about who he is, about who we are, and about the hope that can be found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that today God's word will encourage you, it'll challenge you, and it'll allow you to see that no matter where we find ourselves, there's always hope because of Jesus Christ. So let's dig in and see what God has for us today in his word. I invite you to take your Bible, go with me to 2 Peter chapter 1 is where we're going to be today. And as you heard Evan say, today's going to be a little bit different in the message uh, as we sit here, as I said earlier, 51 weeks in front of us and desires to kind of cast some vision for us this year and where we're headed as a church and what this journey is going to look like for us in 2023. Uh, Anybody last night have a hard time sleeping through the storms? Anybody? Anybody wake up? Yeah, saw the, the flash of lightning outside, heard the rumble of thunder. Abby and I, we were in bed, of course, just joined a nice Saturday night sleep, you know, and uh, that lightning and thunder hit. We both woke up, and she said out loud what I was thinking. She said this, very simple. Well, here they come. (laughs) And I'm telling you, it wasn't 20 seconds later. That door creaked open, and one, two, three. (laughs) Thankfully, our oldest kept sleeping in his bed, but... All of a sudden, I got five people in my bed, right? Like, goodness gracious, what is going on, right? I'm just trying to enjoy a nice Saturday night of sleeping, right? But it's the reality. It's the season of our life that we are in. We, we just know it. And that season, it brings with it a lot of things. It brings with cra- crazy Christmases, right? And uh, good Christmases, but crazy Christmases, right? And for me, in this season, it has brought that my role is not just pastor, but it's also coach. And so I've had the joy of getting to coach my kids in a lot of different, uh, a lot of different sports, a lot of different activities. Uh, we enjoyed the holidays of having a little respite from having to go to practices, but it's back like basketball is cranked up and we're we're rolling. I'm coaching two of my boys' teams. In fact, I had a, you know, there's a joy. There's an incredible joy in coaching little kids, right? And one, because you get to know them. You get to know their families. You get to see them develop in their skills and their love for whatever the sport is. But also, you just get these things that they say and things that they do that you'll never forget, right? In fact, I had one just last week, Thursday night. We were practicing basketball. This sweet boy, He's shooting, and he's just missing over and over again. Right? I mean, he, he hadn't moved. He'd go get the ball, come back to the same spot, shoot and miss. Go get the ball, come back, shoot and miss. Go get the ball. And finally, I was like, hey, listen, pal, you don't have to shoot from right there every time. Like, you, you can get closer. Like, you, you, can, you can dribble the ball and get closer and shoot. He said, no, 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 it's okay. Uh, I actually shoot better further away. <laughs> I just want to be like, uh, number one, clearly you don't, right? Uh, and, and number two, I want to tell you, in my 41 years of life experience playing basketball, watching basketball, coaching basketball, I can tell you, if that's the truth for you, you have defied all the odds, right? I promise you, you don't shoot, you don't shoot better further away than closer, all right? But those moments, right, they're so great. And as you're investing in these kids, right, you're, you're trying to help them understand, no, you do shoot better. You shoot better when you get closer to the basket. Your chances go up, right? But one of the things I heard several years back, in fact, I was having uh, lunch with one of my friends who, uh, he's in the same season of life, and he's coaching his boys, and he told me, he said, man, Michael, the big thing that I try to impress on the teams that I'm coaching is this, is that you cannot, you cannot control everything as a kid, right? They can't control everything in whatever it is they're doing. But two things they absolutely can control. It is their attitude, and it is their effort. Have you heard that before? Man, that is so good, isn't it? 
the end of the day, and this is true whether it's in sports or whether it's in your job or whether it's in school, whatever, you can't control all the scenarios around your life, but there are things you can control. And you can absolutely control your attitude. And you can absolutely control your effort. And I want to invite us, as we think about going into 2023, and as we think about what God would have for us as a church, and more specifically about what God would have for you today, would it be that we would begin this year of saying, you know what, I'm going to go into this year with an attitude that is grateful to the Lord regardless of what comes. Every morning I'm going to wake up with an attitude that is grateful to the Lord. And secondly, and this is where we're going to center in today in 2 Peter chapter 1, is it more than any point in my faith journey, this year is going to be about an effort to pursue the Lord, to pursue what he would have for my life, to pursue my character growing into looking more and more like his. I'm going to pursue him with everything that I am. So today I want to invite you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word and we consider what it looks like for us to pursue the Lord and as Peter's going to say, to make every effort in that pursuit. Beginning in verse 3, he says, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us very great, or these very, given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, Entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly provided for you. Let's pray together. Lord, today we submit ourselves, and God help us to do it fully. To fully submit ourselves to the authority of your word. And to the truth that the God of the universe in this moment is going to speak to frail humanity. You are the God of all glory and might and strength, and we're not. And yet in your grace and in your love and for your glory, you speak to us. And so, God, may our ears be open, may our hearts be ready to receive your word today. Spirit of God, would you work in this moment for our transformation and good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless the reading of his word. In 2 Peter, the author here is writing to a group of people that are wrestling in their journey through life, specifically in their faith journey. They're having to deal just with we are with, with just like we do today with mixed messages about what a faith journey looks like and what's important and what's not. And the reality is, is that for the audience of which Peter is writing to here, they're dealing with an idea called Gnosticism. 
which was a faith belief in this idea of a secret knowledge, a secret insider understanding, and it was only in obtaining this secret knowledge or understanding that one could live the life of faith that one was called and desired to live. But the reality is, is Peter is going to say that's not the case. He's going to love these people in such a way to clarify for them what this faith journey is to look like. The main idea that we're chasing after today is very simple. Simply this, the Christian faith calls for a continuous pursuit of Jesus. The Christian faith calls for a continuous pursuit of Jesus. And what we're going to see today is in the first couple of verses, he's going to lay a, an important foundation for us, reminding us that God has provided for us in this journey. And then he's going to give us, this is going to sound funny, but in the remainder of the text through verse 11, he's going to give us three fours. I'm not talking about the number four. I'm talking about the word four. He's going to give us three fours, and we're going to look at those three fours that he's going to give us and the implications of what it means for us in this continuous pursuit of Jesus in our life. And my hope for us today as we navigate this text is, again, is for you to consider what is that going to look like for you in the year ahead? What is it going to look like for us as a church in the year ahead, this continuous pursuit of Jesus. So let's dive right in. First observation I want you to see here in verse 3 and 4 is that my faith journey is fully supplied. My faith journey is fully supplied. Words are very important. Words put together make up sentences. Sentences together make up paragraphs. And with that, you have meaning. And let's find the meaning of what's happening here in verse 3. He says, his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness. That's an incredible promise. I've shared this verse with you multiple times over the years, and in the years ahead, I'm going to share it with you over and over again because it is a great promise and a great reminder for us that this faith journey that God has called us to and invited us into through faith in Christ is one in which comes fully supplied. We know that it's fully supplied, one, because it comes from the source of his divine power. The same power that not only raised Christ from the dead, but called fire down from heaven, uh, there on the, uh, with the prophets of Baal, as we see Elijah and the prophets of Baal, it is the same power that it says that has supplied us. Look at what it says here. He has given us. He's given it to us. It's not that he will give it in the right time. He'll give it to us. Not if you earn it, he'll give it to us. It says he has. If you're a believer in Christ, Peter says to his audience here, he would say to us today that he has given us everything. Say everything. Yeah, see, Evan's wearing off on me. If you're here last week, he preached. He likes to have people repeat, right? Everything. You know what everything means? It means absolutely everything. His divine power has given us everything required. Notice it doesn't say everything we want. But everything required for what? For life and godliness. What an incredible promise for you. I want you to think about that. And this faith journey that, that Christ has invited you into, this faith journey that he has purchased for you, is a faith journey that he fully supplies for you. And you may question that today. And say, well, Michael, sometimes life is hard. Or, Man, as I look back over the history of my faith journey, Michael, it doesn't feel that way. But here's what I want you to know. This is God's M.O. to fully supply his people. You look out at the redemptive history and how God treats his people, you see over and over again. I mean, I would even take you to the wilderness. 
where God's people had been delivered from Egypt and in a moment where they could walk by faith into the promised land, they lacked faith and so they wandered in the wilderness. In a time of consequence, God was still supplying for his people. Whether that was the manna from heaven or quail or the water that was provided over and over again, we see God always provides for his people. And just as he did in the wilderness, he does in our faith journey. Students, I know you won't remember this, but there used to be a TV show called MacGyver. Man, it was great. And the thing that was so unique about MacGyver was he could do anything at any moment with anything he had. Am I right? Like the airplane is going down, but thank goodness MacGyver found a paper clip, right? And he's going to save the day somehow using this paper clip. Now listen, that's an entertaining way, or that's an entertaining show to watch, but that's a horrible way to live your life, isn't it? It's a horrible way to live life when you find yourself in a moment of need and you don't feel like you have the resources to walk through it. Well, I want you to hear today that the faith journey of following Christ is a MacGyver-free zone. It is one in which we don't have to stumble around wondering if God will supply what we need to walk us through the season of life that we're walking through. And so he says here, he's going to, or he has, he has given us everything. But notice he says here, so that, so that what? That through them you may share in the divine nature. I think this is speaking to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit for the believer. And then in doing so, He says, you are escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. So because he has supplied everything for us, because the Spirit of God is living in us, we can, we can in his strength live the faith journey, not only that we know that we are supposed to live, but that we desire to live. I've never met a Christ follower who would say, man, it's my desire and my pursuit of Jesus to to just do okay. Every person that's a believer in Christ, if you're truly a believer in Christ, you want to honor the Lord in the way that you live your life. You want to be the person that you're called to be. What a great promise for us that in this faith journey, it has been fully supplied. You consider Philippians 1.6, right? He who began a good work in you is what? He's going to be faithful to complete it. And part of that faithfulness in completing your journey is giving you what you need day by day by day. Listen, you have all that you need to live the life that God calls you to live. Let me say that again. You have all that you need in him to live the life that you've been called to live. Some of you, you've stopped pursuing the Lord because you've convinced yourself that the cards are stacked against you. And hear me, I'm not trying to make light of your situation, of your circumstances. I'm not trying to say that you haven't walked through difficult moments in your life that have even at times caused you to be angry at God or to question God. But even though you may sense that the cards have been stacked against you, I want you to hear clearly the promise of God that Peter would give to these people and the Spirit of God would give you today is this. He has given you all that you need for this faith journey. And in light of that, In light of that, he's going to give us these three fours. He's going to argue that in light of having all that we need, we must grow and not just settle for what we know. Let me say that again. In light of us having all that we need, these precious promises that he speaks about here to keep us from being corrupted by the world and its evil desires, 
In light of that, we must recognize the call in our life to grow and not just settle for what we know. Look at the first four that we see here in verse 5. That just sounds weird, right? (laughs) The first four in verse 5. But the word for. For this very reason. Make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge. Knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Now for time's sake, we're not going to be able to work through all of these different qualities that he mentions here. Because I want us to center in on the imperative, the call to action that Peter is going to give here. And for us to recognize that this faith journey is, it is fully supplied. But understand that my faith in Christ calls for a full-on pursuit. It calls for a full-on pursuit. So he says, for this very reason, meaning in light of, or building upon what I have just said, that God fully supplies our faith journey. Look at this. Make every effort... To supplement your faith. Make every effort to supplement your faith. So he's saying here, God has done his part in supplying all that you need in life and for godliness. But there's a call to action on our part, isn't there? He's saying here, there is effort in the Christian walk. And here's what you know. You recognize effort when you see it, right? And you recognize a lack of effort when you see it as well. I'll tell you a great way that this becomes super obvious is, have you ever had a waiter or waitress that shows incredible effort when they're serving you? You may not remember those as well as you remember the ones who showed a lack of effort. You remember some waiters or waitresses that maybe showed a lack of effort? Place, one of the places I love to eat in our community is Khan's Mongolian Grill over on 165. So good. You feel terrible when you leave, right? You, like you walk in really hungry, like, gosh, I'm just so hungry. And then you leave and you're thinking, why did I just do that to myself, right? Those are the best places, right? And man, there is this sweet lady that, that serves there. And I'm telling you, she, I would argue she's the best waitress in all of Northeast Louisiana. She's just incredible. No matter how her day's going, no matter how busy it is, you can tell she is always, every time I'm in there, she is always giving effort for you to have the best experience you can have. You see it, you know it. She's giving every effort. I could also tell you some stories about some waiters or waitresses or other people in the service industry, and they ain't giving that effort, right? They doing the minimum amount required, and sometimes they're not even doing that. But here's the reality. The call for us in Scripture is not to settle in. The call for us in Scripture is not to be content with what we know. The call in Scripture, without any doubt, is for us to have a full-on pursuit of knowing Christ and living for Him. Not long after I had come to First West as the student pastor, this was probably 2009, 2010, something like that, we had a staff retreat over in Shreveport, and uh, they showed us a video of Frank Reich. Some of you recognize that name, some of you don't. Frank Reich played quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. He led at the time, which was the largest comeback ever in the NFL playoffs. 
They were playing, I believe, the Buffalo Bills. Jim Kelly was the starter for the Bills, but he had been injured, so the backup comes, and he leads them through this incredible comeback. And then in the post-game press conference, this is what he's just known for just as much as is the comeback, is, is uh, they're asking these questions, and he just recites uh, the words to the song, In Christ Alone. This is a powerful, powerful moment. I encourage you to YouTube and to watch it. It's a, moment, a guy taking a moment in the public space of living his faith out. And so we're at this staff retreat over in Shreveport, and they're showing us this video about Frank Reich, and the video ends, and we're like, man, that was great. And then they go, uh, hey, guys, here's Frank Reich. And the dude walks in the room. And we're like, oh, my gosh, like, okay. Like, there's Frank Reich. And so he begins to pour into our staff. He's giving us some leadership lessons, talking to us. And one of the things that I will never forget is he said, my first job in the NFL, after, uh, after playing and then got to coach the NFL, he said, my first job was to be the quarterback coach for the Indianapolis Colts. Now, let me ask you, have you ever heard of a quarterback that plays for the Indianapolis Colts? Yeah. A guy named Peyton Manning, right? Not bad at quarterback. Some would argue, I think, wisely, top three quarterback ever to play the game of football. At the time, he and Tom Brady, top of the game. And now Frank Reich has been given the job to go be the quarterback coach for one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And he spoke of the insecurity that he felt of, how do I go and make a guy like that better? What insight and wisdom do I have to help him in his game? He could look at his own career and his own life as a quarterback. He knew that he was not as quarterback as Peyton Manning was, and yet now he's supposed to coach him. And he says, but something changed the trajectory of that job for me. He said, the very first time I met Peyton Manning, He said, Peyton Manning looked right at me, and he said, Coach, don't you dare take it easy on me. And he said at that moment, it was such a freeing moment for him because he recognized the responsibility that he had. And he recognized that there was a reason that Peyton Manning was Peyton Manning. Number one, he kind of has some genetics that help him out a little bit, right? But there was a drive. There was a make every effort in his profession and his skill set. One of the ways that Frank Reich said that he demonstrated this make every effort mentality in his job is he said that every time he was in a meeting with Peyton Manning, whether it was with their quarterbacks, which was just a small group with him or in a full team meeting, whatever the setting, every meeting he was ever in with Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning was sitting on the front row. He had a binder open and he was taking notes. Every meeting that Peyton Manning was ever in, he had a binder open and he was taking notes. And he said he had hundreds of these binders and he carried them everywhere. You see, it was a posture for him. It was a posture that I have not yet arrived and I have a desire to go further than I am right now. Can I tell you one of the things that I want for our church? I want our church to be filled with note takers. Not not because of me. This is not what I want for me. This is what I want for you. Right? When I'm taking notes, what is it? It is a posture that says what is being said is important. And in this moment, when we open the word of God, as I've said, the word is living and it is active and the spirit of God is speaking to us. And I hope that we would be a church that when we come in, we say, God, what do you have for me? I've not yet arrived and I want to go in my next step. And so God, when you speak, I'm going to write because I want to be fully engaged when the word is taught. And here's the great news. We still have seats on the front row, so next week you can be like Peyton Manning and sit right here on the front row and take notes. (laughs) The Finns would love to have you join them right down here, right? 
What would that mean for someone who walked into our church? And when the Bible is open, the people of God lean in and they say, I don't want to miss a word of what the living God has to say to me. You see, it's a posture. It's a posture that says, listen, I want to make every effort in my life, at every opportunity and situation that comes along the way, I want to leverage that moment as I pursue, he's going to call them these qualities. These qualities. Now here's the challenge. When he speaks of these qualities, how do you, how do you pursue to supplement your faith with goodness? Well, here's the challenge. We can't do a four-week Bible study on goodness with the promise of, hey, you come on the fourth week, we're going to hand you out goodness, and you're going to you know, add it as a badge to your life. Right? They're qualities. They're characteristics of who you are. It's part of that sanctification. That's a nerdy word that means growing more like Jesus. But here at a church, there are things that we can do and we desire to do. My role as a pastor here, several things that what Scripture calls me, number one, is to equip you for the work of the ministry. Right? It's to understand that Scripture calls, as Evan was saying, that we're all called to go and to make disciples. My, one of my responsibilities is to help you grow in making disciples. But also, as Paul says, his desire was to present the people of Christ as mature in him at the day of his coming. And so I feel that weight. Part of the calling of God on my life is to help you in your faith journey and to take that next step. And while I can't hand out goodness to you or I can't hand out self-control to you or brotherly affection, I can help put disciplines in your life or markers in your life that can help foster those things in your life. And so we call those things here the marks of a maturing believer. If you don't know what they are, just go walk around our building and you'll find them on a wall. There are things that we don't say, hey, just do all these things and you'll be a mature Christian. But there are things that we would say, listen, if you're growing in your faith, these things are probably showing up in your life. I'd like to pursue Christ daily. It's the first one for a reason, because I'll never be where I want to be in my walk with the Lord if I'm not pursuing him individually on a personal level. This time is not sufficient to grow you in your walk with the Lord. I'm grateful that you're here, but it is not sufficient to grow you in where you want to go. It has to be a daily pursuit. One of the things, again, just a tool that we want to put in your hand is a Bible reading plan. You can go to our website, firstwest.cc backslash Bible reading plan. Pretty obvious, right? And on there, we've just put a host of different times, a one-year, a two-year, a however many years you want, a chronological one. There's several different ones that, listen, I don't care what plan you do. I just want you reading your Bible. Why? Because it's growing you. That's part of you making every effort in your walk with the Lord. We want to see you connected to a life group so that you have community in your life. We want to see you being a giver in your life because it reminds you that everything that you have comes from the Lord and it correctly aligns your heart to him, to being generous just in the same way that he's generous. And so in 2023, hear me clearly, this is where, again, I want to lay out some quick vision for us here. Our desire as we think about making every effort to pursue the Lord in this year, the word that we have chosen is pursue. This year in 2023 at First West, we want to focus on that word, pursue. And specifically what that means is we want to see you take your next step in your faith journey and to help someone else take theirs. That's the line. And this year, we want you to take your next step in your faith journey and for you to help someone else take theirs. So you heard us talk about D groups. That's an opportunity for you to be taking next steps in your faith journey through these disciplines in your life. But also it's about helping other people take theirs. 
If you're a parent in the room, if you're a grandparent in the room, hey, in 2023, let's help your kids and your grandkids. Let's be intentional to help them take their next step. Maybe you're not in that season of life. Or you would say, Michael, I'm already doing that. What other areas in my life can I do that? Listen, there's all kinds of areas. Seven said, where you work, where you live, where you pray. How in 2023 are you going to help your people in your neighborhood take their next step in their pursuit of Christ? In the year ahead, what if you thought intentionally, prayed intentionally, and said, man, I'm willing to take a faith step to consider the people at my work and how I can help the people at my work take their next step in their faith journey? We want to encourage you to do that individually this year. Our desire is that corporately in a year in front of us that is just going to be really different that we would pursue the Lord like never before. You say, Michael, what do you mean different? Well, here in just a couple of months, we're going to do a full renovation of this room. That means we're not going to be having worship in this room. And it's going to be a season of, a listen to this word carefully, flexibility. <laughs> and we'll be laying out for you soon what the plan is going to look like and how we're going to do worship and services at different times. And some of your life groups may have to shift to a different time for a little bit. And right now, some of you are thinking, not my life group. Yeah, maybe your life group. But even in the chaos of how things look and what we do, those things can't keep us from pursuing the Lord this year. And my hope is that maybe in being shaken up a little bit in our normal rhythm of who we are and what we do at First West through this renovation, that it'll help us to focus even more on our individual pursuit and our corporate pursuit. Let me give you two more quick, real quick observations and this idea of pursuing the Lord, a continuous pursuit of Jesus in the Christian faith. First one is this, my failure to pursue, if I don't pursue, it reflects that I've forgotten his grace. If I don't pursue, it reflects that I've forgotten his grace. Look at me in verse 8. He says, for if you possess these qualities in, important phrase here, increasing measure. means you're growing in them, right? You're pursuing So if you do, if you're growing, if you're pursuing the Lord, he says, they will keep you from being useless and or or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who right now would say at the end of this year, I hope to look back and say that it was an unfruitful year? Nobody. Nobody wants this year, these next 51 weeks to be useless. Nobody does. And here's the guarantee that I can give you today. I feel like a TV marketer. (laughs) Listen to this guarantee. This year, if you pursue the Lord, at the end of this year, I don't care what your financial portfolio looks like. I mean, I, I do care. I, <laughs> hear me. I, I don't care what scenarios you face. I don't care what health diagnosis you get. I don't care what trouble comes into your family. I don't care about any of those situations. That if we commit to make every effort to pursue the Lord and these qualities are increasing in our life, at the end of this year, you're going to look back and say, man, it has been a fruitful year. You may say it's been a difficult year. You may say that this year had its challenges, but it was fruitful. It was meaningful. It was purposeful in my life. And look at what he says here. Verse 9, the person who lacks these things, who's not pursuing or growing in the Lord, is blind and short-sighted. That's very unique that Peter is going to use those two words. You're blind and short-sighted. If you're blind, it seems hard to be short-sighted. But he's stressing the point here. He's saying, if you're not pursuing the Lord, if you are settling for what you know instead of stressing on making every effort to grow, if that's reality, you you have become blind to what's important. Short-sighted there, it means to squint when looking at the light. I think here of what Paul said about a guy named Demas. He spoke of Demas and said that Demas in love with this present world has deserted me. 
Demas had become blind to the pursuit of Christ for the Christian life. And so we see here again in verse 8, right, this 4. And what's the implication? He says there in 9. They have become blind and short-sighted in what? Has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Hear me real clearly. When I stop pursuing the Lord, it is a reflection that I have become numb to the gospel. When I stop pursuing him, it means that I've become numb to the gospel. Again, the gospel, that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the promise that despite our sin, for those that put their faith and their trust in Christ can be forgiven of their sin and to be made right with God through Christ. And it's offered for every single one of us today. And the response that we see, the biblical response to that is, is because now I know that I, am, that I am in Christ and I am fully loved and fully accepted by him. And the motivation for that is now I'm going to pursue him. He's rescued me. He's redeemed me. He's changed me. He's purchased me. And in light of that, man, I'm going to live my life for him. But when I take it out of drive in my Christian walk and I stick it in the neutral, you know what happens? I stop thinking about the gospel and I start thinking about my own effort and my own righteousness. I, I, I in my mind, I lower the bar of God's expectation for my life and then I applaud myself for when I go above the bar that I set for myself and it looks nothing like what Scripture teaches. He says there's a warning there. That if I put it in neutral, if I just stop pursuing the Lord, it means that I've gotten over the gospel. And I hope for you that you never get over the gospel. Last observation is this, verse 11. My faithful pursuit assures my final reward. For, there it is again. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly provided for you. Now, I want to clarify here. This is an important statement that he makes, but I want to clarify for you. When I say the sentence, my faithful pursuit assures my final reward, you may hear that, and logically you may go to a place of saying, okay, if I do really good, then I'm assured this entrance into his eternal kingdom. So this is all based on my effort. And we would know that that is the complete opposite of what the gospel teaches, right? Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, we are saved by what? Grace. Not by works, right? But there is a confidence that comes for my final destination when I see evidence of where my heart is at day by day by day by day. You know, if you were to begin to question in your life, Am I really saved? And some of you have questioned that. Some of you maybe today you're questioning that. And you were to call up to the church and you were to say, hey, my name's so-and-so. Am I really saved? Can you check the Lamb's Book of Life database? See if I'm in it. We would say, we can't. Well, can you check to see if I was baptized? We can check to see if you're baptized, but the sad news is baptism, as important as it is, it is not a guarantee of your salvation. This is an outward symbol of an inward decision that you have made by faith to follow Christ. And if you were to come and sit with me and you say, Michael, I don't know if I'm a Christian. How do I know 
or can you tell me if I'm a Christian? You know what I would do? I would say, let's talk about the last six months. Let's talk about the last year. Let's talk about the last five years. Let's talk about the last 15 years. Talk to me about your life. And as you begin to recount your life, here's what I would do. I would be listening. Do I hear things that sound like a heart that desires to please Jesus? I wouldn't be listening for perfection. You ain't going to hear that. But I would be listening of, do I see a rhythm in your life? Do I see or hear fruit in your life that gives evidence of a heart that has been changed by Christ? And it is only in hearing of that evidence and seeing that evidence that it can give your pastor or anyone else confidence that, yeah, you have an authentic faith in your life. And so the encouragement that he gives here is this, is listen, for in this way, meaning when I'm pursuing the Lord, when I'm chasing after him, what is it? Entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus will be richly what? Provided for you, not earned for you. You didn't earn it. It's provided for you. Why? Because your pursuit of him has given evidence that your heart has truly been changed by him and that your name is in the Lamb's book of life. And so for some of you that are walking in doubt today, look back and see those moments in your life and desire to keep walking in those moments into your future. So today, our hope is that we would consider as a congregation and as individuals of what it means for us to pursue the Lord. I want you to imagine for a moment that I make my way to Boston, Massachusetts for the Boston Marathon. (laughs) <laughs> Some of y'all go, you clearly in the wrong place, Michael. You're right. But you show up and you see me. I've got a runner's outfit on. I've got the little bib, right, on. It has some numbers across it, right? You say, Michael, what are you doing? Well, I'm here to run the race. Okay. They get everyone lined up, thousands of people lined up, and boom, they hit the gun, and everyone takes off, and I don't go anywhere. You say, Michael, what are you doing? I'm a runner. Why aren't you running? I don't know. I'm a runner. It wouldn't take long for you to see a significant disconnect in my mind, right? I can dress like a runner. I can wear a bib like a runner. But if you're at a race and you're not running, you know what you are? You're a spectator. You're not a part of the race. Listen, my desire as your pastor, I never want to manipulate you. I never want to cause confusion into your life. That's that's the last thing I want to do. But on a message like this, I, I feel so compelled by the Spirit of God that for some of you, for decades, you've been dressing like a runner. You've been talking like a runner. But when you look over the last year, five years, 10 years, 20 years of your life, you may at one time said a prayer a long time ago, but you look at your life, what you recognize is you have never run. You've never run. There's never been a pursuit of God's pleasure in your life. There's never been a true sacrifice in your life so that your life would look more and more like Jesus. It would be judgment on me for me to be your pastor and to walk with you through all these years and to never be forthright with you enough to say for some of you, you might be fooling the people around you, but you're not fooling the Lord. The evidence of people that have given their heart to Christ 
and authenticity and sincerity are people that run. Today, some of you, you need to start to run. You need to respond to the gospel for what it truly is in such a way that it impacts and changes the trajectory of your life. Would you bow your heads with me today? I just wonder in this moment, I just wonder in this moment for the person that hears my voice today, say, Michael, I know how to wear the runner outfit. I know how to pin the bib on my shirt. I know all that. But truthfully, Michael, I'm not in the race. There's never been that moment that I've really began to run the race of pursuing Christ and living for Him and allowing Him to come in and change my life. I would just ask you in the nature of this moment. I believe the Spirit of God is knocking at your heart. And today, just between me and you right here, if you would just be so bold as to say, Michael, today I recognize I need to get in the race. I need to trust Christ. Enough about dressing the part or talking the part. I need to give my life to Christ. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand in this room and say, today I need to give my life to follow Christ. Amen. Anyone else in here today, you'd say, Michael, I need to get in the game. I need to give my life to follow Christ. Maybe today you're here. You recognize in your faith journey, you've stuck it in neutral. You stuck it in neutral because someone wounded you. You stuck it in neutral because you've convinced yourself that God hasn't supplied everything that you need. Today, my challenge to you would not be try harder. <laughs> it would be to go back to savoring the gospel again. That you wouldn't forget that he has cleansed you from your past sins. He has made you a new person. He has given you purpose, joy, and life. And the demand of that incredible love that has been shown towards us is a life of pursuing. right now in this moment you just need to be real frank with God and say God I've had it in neutral but God with the year in front of me I want to pursue you Lord today we're grateful that the spirit of God that you speak I just pray that we're listening I'm asking God today that those that need encouragement today, that the Spirit of God, that you would encourage those that need to be challenged, Lord, that they would be challenged. Those that need to be rebuked today, God, they would be rebuked. Those that need to be comforted, that they would be comforted. Father, today it's our desire as we see the call that Peter had for these believers, the call for us today is that we would make every effort to supplement our faith qualities in our life that look like you. And we recognize that those come in increasing measure in our life through a disciplined pursuit of you in our individual time with you, in the community of believers and discipleship, 
sharing our faith. So God, would you help us in the year ahead? For each one of us individually, for us as a congregation, would you help us to take our next step? And Lord, would we be people who are helping others take theirs? We ask this in Christ's name. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We hope, again, that you were uh, encouraged by what God had to say for you and for your life. I just want to extend an invitation for you today. Maybe today you realize that you need Jesus in your life. Maybe today you just need to take that next step in your spiritual walk, or maybe you've got a spiritual need. And I want you to know that we would love to come alongside you and serve you any way that we can. Feel free to reach out to us at firstwest.cc, or you can call the church, 318-322-5104. And we would love to help you in what God is doing in your life. Have a great day.